Hello everyone, Alan Mishra here from Vitality Explorer News with another edition of the Vitality Explorer News podcast. Our mission, our goal, our purpose with the podcast, as always, is to enhance global vitality one person at a time. So if even one person listening to this has their vitality enhanced by the end of it, I hope I have done my job. If you are enjoying what you're listening to, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. And we'd like to always start the podcast with a quote. And here's the quote. Forgiveness does not change the past, but it does enlarge the future. And that's Paul Bose, B-O-E-S-E. Forgiveness does not change the past, but it does enlarge the future. So I hope that inspires you because we're going to talk a little bit about forgiveness today. We're also going to talk about how to have fun with your friends and a zero-cost way to enhance your mental health. And that's through some breathing and specific types of breathing exercises. All of this is based in science, based on peer-reviewed published data. And our goal, again, is also to enhance your vitality and help you what I call make deposits into your vitality bank account. We're also going to talk about in future discussions about vitality asset management and sort of your vitality vital signs. So look forward to that. You can think about um, other things we've talked about in the past, and we're also going to expand on this next week in a post is about how to fight cancer with exercise. But for this week, let's talk about forgiveness and why it is potentially selfish or answering the question, is forgiveness selfish? Okay. Again, you can find the data about behind this on Vitality Explorer News, or you can sign up at vitalityexplorers.com for a free text message newsletter about how to enhance your vitality, which comes to your phone every Monday morning. So is forgiveness selfish? I know that's kind of a snarky, snarky way to you know put that, but I really took a deep dive into this after a Vitality Explorer alerted me to some newly published data about the value of forgiveness. She also pointed me to the work of Dr. Frederick Luskin, and uh, he is the author of a book called Forgive for Good. Forgive for Good. And this post is going to cover, this discussion is going to cover both of those. Um, and here's my snarky analysis after it. I think forgiveness is selfish. And I have to admit that I'm really not great at forgiving. Um, it's something that I don't like to admit, but I, I've been studying it and I agree with a lot of the scholars on this. I think it's a skill that we can develop. So even if you're not great at forgiving people, like I try to, but I'm not great at it, um, I think it can be a very powerful vitality enhancing skill. Forgiveness can be a powerful vitality enhancing skill. And we're going to slow down and talk about this because it's not something we have done on Vitality Explorer News. And I think we need to learn from Dr. Luskin and, and, and other people about why this is valuable. So let me go through some of the seven points that Dr. Luskin makes in his book and his writings about forgiveness. Number one, reacting with outrage or offense to difficult situations can make things worse. I'll think about that for a second. Reacting with outrage or offense to difficult situations can make things worse. Okay? A lot of us, myself included, can do that. Number two, forgiveness is a powerful tool for dealing with pain and anger. So a lot of times pain and anger comes from, you know, not forgiving. Number three, very important. 
Forgiveness can be applied to ourselves or another person. So we often think about trying to forgive somebody else for something they may have done to us, but we often need to learn how to forgive ourselves. Number four, forgiveness requires we stop thinking of ourselves as victims. Wow, that's a, that's a powerful one. Number five, forgiveness is a choice we often forget to use to improve a situation. I never thought about that, by the way. Forgiveness is a choice we often forget to use to improve a situation. So you can choose to improve it by forgiving somebody else. A very intractable situation where a wrong has been, you know, basically committed against you and there seems to be no way out of it, but you may be able to, to find a pathway forward by simply forgiving. And here's, where, here's the value of that. This is in number six. Letting go of the pain frees up energy to focus on the future. So that gets us a little bit back to that quote at the beginning there, right? Forgiveness does not change the past, but it does enlarge the future. So when we let go of the pain, we free up energy to focus on the future. And then the final one, number seven. This is from Dr. Luskin, but it's my favorite. It's a little Machiavellian, but here it is. A life well-lived is the best revenge against those who have hurt us. A life well-lived is the best revenge against those who have hurt us. So again, if you want to read all four or all seven of those, you can look at Vitality Explorers. But here's, here's a few quotes from Dr. Luskin. Quote, forgiveness is an attitude of mind and heart that first feels the suffering of the loss, mistreatment or betrayal, and then lets it go. When the suffering is not released, it burdens the nervous cardiovascular and endocrine systems leading to physical issues over time. The unforgiveness, <clears throat> excuse me, the unforgiveness puts stress on the system and with any stress-related physical response, the effect is on the organ system that is the weakest. Ooh, wow. So unforgiveness is another term for, um, that I had to kind of understand, but that's basically when you don't forgive somebody. And studying his work, Dr. Luskin's work, helped me realize the importance of it. His principles are very difficult to follow for someone to, that does not like to let things go like me. I have an elephant-like memory, which actually has been quite helpful uh, when I've had to learn a, a lot of stuff in medical school or procedural steps for surgery. Um, but never forgetting or never forgiving, however, is not healthy for our relationship because no, our relationships in life, that's with anybody, because none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes and we all need forgiveness. So here's, here's some of the thoughts I have on this is, um, you know, choosing to forgive takes practice because it is a skill and sort of had, sort of had a terrible, maybe, you know, insight or thought about this when I was thinking about is forgiveness selfish back to that question. And here's, here's some thoughts I had. I'll just read them that I, I wrote down on the Vitality Explorer Substack site. If forgiving is a choice we can make at the onset of a difficult situation that could lead to a quieter and better resolution, why are we not forgiving more? If forgiving helps us deal with our pain and anger, why are we not forgiving more? If forgiving helps free up energy to focus on the future, why are we not forgiving more? And if forgiving helps us lead a better and more vital life, why are we not forgiving more? And if forgiving ultimately helps us in so many ways, is forgiving selfish? So these are questions that continue to rattle around in my head. I think the important part about this is not just Dr. Luskin's work, but there was a, 
uh, a study, a prospective study that looked at 4,598 participants. They called it the REACH, excuse me, International REACH Forgiveness Intervention. And it was a multi-site randomized controlled trial. It was published here in 2023. Uh, and again, you can look at the references on the Vitality Explorer new Substack site. And here's, here's a quote from the study, the, uh, the primary conclusion. In summary, this multi-site randomized weightless controlled trial of a nominal two-hour self-directed reach forgiveness no workbook, the intervention successfully promoted forgiveness and improved mental health. Okay, that's a big statement, but let's go into the details. Reach stands for recall, R, recall the hurt, E, emphasize, empathize with the offender, very hard to do. A, give an altruistic, undeserved gift of forgiveness. C, commit to forgiveness experienced. And, and H, hold on to that forgiveness. So participants had to, to, in order to enroll in the study, had to experience a personal transgression. So that means basically something, it's something a wrongdoing offense or some sort of misdeed committed against that person. They were then randomized to give this reach, R-E-A-C-H, workbook or a two-week waiting period. So it's a sort of an interesting study design. So everybody got the workbook, but some people got it right away and some people got it two weeks later. And the workbook had nine components. So again, you can see the details of it, but let me just read them real quick. Number one, describe the hardest transgression successfully forgiven. Number two, identify a target transgression to forgive. Number three, Complete assessments of their forgiveness. Number four, define two types of forgiveness, decisional and emotional. Number five, learn the re relational, psychological, and physical be benefits of forgiveness. Number six, work through the steps of, of forgiveness. Number seven, consider a decision to forgive. Number eight, complete a 12-step generalization protocol to widen applicability. Number nine is assess forgiveness and compare it to the original assessment. So it's sort of a stepwise way of coming to the idea of truly forgiving somebody. But what they found is the people who completed the, the, the workbook, not only did they forgive people, so they had less unforgiveness, which is not forgiving people, but <clears throat> very importantly, their depression and anxiety dropped significantly, statistically significant decreases in depression and anxiety for, for those people who, for, who actually forgave the other person. So here's the analysis of, I think, this incredibly important and under-recognized vitality skill. Forgiveness has scientific data supporting its use to reduce the symptoms of depression and anxiety in a large controlled trial. I think for forgiveness, and I'm trying this myself, almost trying it every day, can help us manage difficult situations better. So you can, if you choose to immediately forgive sort of a minor transgression, um, that may be uh, something as simple as not, not replacing the toilet paper. That's one thing I'm thinking about in my head right now. But maybe that doesn't happen and you can get upset about that or you can just forgive that because that's a minor transgression, right? Um, leading up to trying to forgive bigger ones, right? But forgiveness is a skill we need to practice. So I think if we practice forgiving a little bit or for little things, we're going to get better at forgiving for better things. And we're also going to need it ourselves. <clears throat> so if there's anybody out there that doesn't deserve forgiveness or doesn't need forgiveness, I think that you're, you're a unicorn. But I think all of us at some point need it. So practicing forgiving others is potentially ironically selfish because we need it ourselves. So anyway, this is a very complex topic. 
This is something that is the first time we're exploring it on Vitality Explorer News. I encourage you to look at the Vitality Explorer News Substack site for, for the details, the references, including the abstracts and, and some of the charts from the paper. And try this week to, to get out there and in your quest to be a more vital person, forgive more. Okay, now that's a, that's a difficult topic. Let's move on to something that's very, very fun. And that is just fun with friends. So this is another one of these things that we sometimes forget, okay? And again, you can look at Vitality Explorer News for, for the details of this. You can also uh, subscribe there uh, to receive uh, the post via email. And people who uh, we become paid subscribers support the Vitality Explorer News mission and will have access to uh, events and upcoming events, including the potential for what we call the Dare to be Vital Day in the fall, which is in the exploratory phase. Anyway, let's move back to fun with friends and why I think it's ironically underappreciated. All right. So we can get overwhelmed in our quest to be vital by trying to eat right, sleep eight hours, exercise relentlessly and define our peak purpose. Now, these are other things I've talked about a lot and they are important for your vitality. And I don't want people to misinterpret what we're talking about here because I think taking ownerships over these decisions that are within our sphere of control, the things that we can make a difference about by eating better, sleeping more, exercising uh, relentlessly and trying to execute on our peak purpose do help enhance our vitality. But, 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 we need to think about how to have fun along the way. All right. Now, um, you know, how are we going to in, in, incorporate fun into our peak purpose, which I think can seem counterintuitive, but I, I, I think it's something we need to relearn because when we were kids, we did not have to be taught how to have fun. We pursued fun. We demanded to have fun. We wanted to play more video games. We wanted to go out and play with our friends more. And we sought it out every single day like a tasty treat. Um, but now, eh, not all the time, but as we move forward in life, we, we gain more responsibilities or more baggage or, or, or whatever. And we put fun at the back of the bus and we do not think of it as critical. And I think it is critical for our overall well-being. This is especially true when our work or our home responsibilities pile up like a giant snowdrift that is still probably up in Tahoe right now. Um, we stop prioritizing the fun because we only you know, let it in on the margins of our lives when we have time. And we do not give ourselves permission to have fun. So my suggestion is that we make time. We make time to have fun. Remember, I think vitality is a skill. Time management is a huge component of it. So if we can plug one of our life leaks, even for a thousand seconds a day by stopping scrolling on, doom scrolling on our phone or watching some too much, you know, network news or cable news where people are screaming at each other, um, we can unlock some time to have fun with our friends. And that could be in the form of just a short phone call and catching up. It could also be planned time for an hour a week to go on a hike or, or have, have a meal, uh, or it could be set up for a longer term thing like a vacation. But the key thing is don't forget to have fun. Okay, and I'm not sure exactly when my last best day will be, but I do know that I will not regret um, having fun with my friends. Okay. And you, when you're having fun with your friends, uh, you're creating future memories to discuss with them. So, you know, remember it takes a lot of time to develop a friend. And we're going to talk about that in a few minutes here in terms of, the, of a specific study, but that's why I think we need to invest in our friendships. And as you get to the end of the time, when you're raising your family 
or the, the kids get out of out of the nest and then maybe you're further along in your career there's an epidemic of loneliness going on right now so we all think about putting money in our, in our you know 401ks but we need to put some also money in what i call your friendship bank account which is part of your vitality bank account right all right so putting investing in your friendships will pay off not only immediately but also in the long run and so that's why we need to review this article about how long it takes to develop a close friend. How many hours does it take to make a friend? That's the title of the article. Um, and again, you can check out the Vitality Explorer new Substack site for it, um, uh, for the references. But this uh, study looked at uh, 355 people who had recently relocated for a job or a new job for a partner. Um, other reasons included going to new school, marriage, divorce, or retirement, but the average age was only 33 years old. These are not like 60 to 70 year old people. These are young people and they were evenly divided into males and females. And the paper did a sophisticated series of um, you know, surveys with the par participants to determine the total amount of time it took to develop various levels of friendship. And here are the results. Now, this is pretty interesting, okay? They divided it into acquaintances, casual friendships, friendships, good friendships, and best friendships. So an acquaintance is somebody you've known for less than 10 hours, but still it's up to 10 hours. A casual friendship is 30 hours. Friendships, 50 hours. Good friendships, 140 hours. And best friendships, 300 hours or more. So no wonder it's difficult to move and establish new friendship. It takes a ton of time. So we have a lot of that time when we're younger, um, but we don't have a lot of that time when, as we get older. So I think time invested in friendships is never wasted. This is why I suggest we try to make that time as best we can because friends help us, really good friends especially, or best friends help us support us in difficult times, but they also help us enjoy our lives when in good times. So doing something fun with a friend is just an amazing vitality enhancer. Let me give you a quick example of this. A couple weeks ago, um, I was playing with some friends uh, and I'm a average at best golfer and I just played terribly. Uh, I almost actually broke a window when I hit what's called a hosel rocket, or that's what I call it. But basically you hit the ball um, at the junction between the shaft and the, and the, and the club head it's it's really right in what's called the hosel of the of the golf club and when you do that it just it's not a shank it's like 10x times shanking the ball uh, and there was a condo with a big plate glass window adjacent to this par three it was only a par three it wasn't even a long hole and i hit this ball and it almost destroyed this plate glass window thank god it didn't do that um and then the following weekend i was scheduled to play in a team tournament with a friend and so as we're driving over to play, I told my friend about how badly I was playing. I said to him, I said, listen, you know, there's 40 teams in this tournament. You and I are going to play what's called best ball or alternate shot. I, I'm going to apologize in advance because my game just isn't in any good shape. And if, he said the same thing. He said, oh, I've been playing terrible. And he and I looked at each other as we were driving over and just said, you know what? Let's just have fun. And we were playing with two other people who were way better than us. They were four and five handicap players. Um, I'm a 19 or an 18, sometimes a 17. So playing with excellent players, but they're super nice guys and it something magical happened. Um, you know, a handicap by the way is, is what you have relative to par. So a high handicap is bad, a low handicap is good. So my friend and I are 
relatively high handicappers are two playing competitors were low handicappers. So again, what happened is we had to alternate shots. We had to take best ball. Long story short, I was driving it out of my mind straight and long. My friend was chipping and putting like a wizard. And before we knew it, we were just cruising along through the entire course. And we ended up first out of 40. All right. And we made the playoffs. We ended up finishing third overall. But going in, we were not, not likely to be doing very, as well. And we had an absolute blast. So it reminded me how important it is to have fun with friends, how to kind of let go of your expectations when you're playing golf, by the way. Um, and I hope when you're thinking about this, you realize the value, the incredible value of investing in your friendships and understand how long it takes to develop those friendships, especially if you've moved recently. So let's finish up this week's Vitality Explorer News podcast by talking about a zero-cost way to enhance your mental health, and that is by simply breathing. Okay, this is fascinating but really powerful. Again, another article that was just published this year in 2023, uh, and here is the title of it. Brief Structured Respiration Practices Enhance Mood and Reduce Physiologic physiologic arousal. So we know that breathing keeps us alive by bringing in oxygen and releasing carbon dioxide. And for centuries, a variety of different types of breathing practices have been you know, touted as being valuable, right? So what, what we found in this paper, what I found in this paper, which was published out of Stanford, and it was the the senior author was Andrew Huberman, which he has talked about this in on, on his podcast many times. But here is a peer-reviewed published paper that talks about this. Number one, significant improvements in positive affect, that's mood, and reduction in anxiety was found for both breathwork and, medit and mindfulness meditation. And number two, breathwork and specifically cyclic sighing is more effective in improving than mindfulness meditation. So this isn't just somebody's opinion. This is a... a you know, a peer-reviewed published study. And I think these breathing exercises is a zero-cost way to improve your mental health. So three different types of breathing exercises were evaluated, cyclic sighing, breath box breathing, and cyclic hyperventilation. I'm going to briefly describe those in a minute. But they were compared to mindful meditation. I've actually put a video up on the Vitality Explorer Substack site with me demonstrating these, these types of breathing exercises. I encourage you to, to, to look at that. It's also on YouTube. But the cyclic sighing kind of goes like this. You go. So it's two breaths in and then a long sigh out. The box breathing is sort of. So one breath in, hold it, one breath out, hold it. And then cyclic hyperventilation with retention is the third version. And this is where you go. And that's 30 times, kind of hold it for 30 seconds. But those are the three different types of breathing that were tested up against mindful meditation, which was sitting or laying down, five-minute timer, closing your eyes, focusing on your attention between your eyes, recentering re your breath on your forehead, and acknowledging your thoughts as normal and refocusing on your forehead and continuing until the time 
ends. And they call that natural uncontrolled breathing. So here was, here was the fascinating findings on this study. And the primary importance were improvement in mood and anxiety, as well as reduced physiologic arousal, which by the way, they just don't, don't go down that pathway. Their thought was uh, they defined physiologic arousal, interestingly, as respiratory rate, heart rate, and heart rate variability. So uh, again, this is a science podcast uh, available for everybody here. So what they found was breathwork beat mindfulness meditation in terms of positive affect change over time. Uh, and affect, again, means mood. So breathing exercise beat meditation in terms of enhancing the mood. You can look at the, the charts on the Vitality Explorer Substack site and the cyclic sighing. Remember that one's like this. <laughs> Had the best in terms of uh, improving your mood compared to the other types of breath work. It also decreased your respiratory rate overall. And here's the conclusions again. Quote, cyclic sighing produced the highest daily improvement in positive affect, as well as the highest reduction in respiratory rate, both significantly different from mindful med meditation, mindfulness meditation. The physiologic and psychological effects of cyclic sighing also appear to last over time. So, wow, that's a pretty impressive thing. And that's why I think we can conclude one of the conclusions is thus the Slowing down the breathing rhythm with size can signal higher order brain structures associated with behavioral arousal and promote a sense of calm. Wow. So just breathing. Here's, here's sort of what I call the Vitality Explorer News Analysis and Recommendation. Breath work is a zero cost way to enhance your mood. This is not my opinion. This is based on their study. I can't believe this isn't used more often. I think we, I've been doing it now for more than a year, year and a half, and it absolutely works. I also use cyclic sighing, by the way, on the golf course. Maybe this is why I was a little bit better, is that to calm myself before I try to hit a shot, I'll do a little bit of this uh, cyclic, or cyclic sighing. Um, and I think breath work is a really amazing potential thing um, to try. You can always check with your personal physician uh, about that. Um, I hope you have enjoyed this week's Vitality Explorer News podcast. You can, again, find all of the references on the Vitality Explorer News site. You can also sign up at vitalityexplorers.com for a free text message newsletter that comes to your phone once a week on Mondays. If you're enjoying what you're listening to, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Please encourage your friends and family to, to join us as we are building a, a worldwide Vitality Explorer community. I can't wait to share with you more and more about that in the, in the weeks ahead because it's moving very quickly about what we're going to be doing in the summer and then especially in the fall. So thank you for listening to this podcast. And I hope until next week, you... Get out there into the world and dare to be vital. Thank you very much for listening. Bye now.